This podcast is brought to you by Introduction to Democracy Studies, an undergraduate course at the Department of International Relations, Universitas Gajah Mada. Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast. I am Cesar Leonardo and I will be your host for today's discussion. In this podcast, we will talk about the police violence in our democracy. Joining our podcast today are the two gentlemen who have been directly involved in recent mass demonstrations and have experienced direct confrontation with the police, as well as other armed force. Without further ado, let me introduce you to our guests today, Alfredo and Rayhan. Alfredo, how are you? Rayhan, how are you doing? Hi, Leo. My name is Alfredo. Um, I'm well, thank you. Thank Hi. you so much. Hi, Leo. I'm also good. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I hope you guys are doing well wherever you are. Um, to kick off our discussion today, perhaps we can hear it first from you, Alfredo, about your first-hand experience in participating in uh, public demonstrations while having to deal with such uh, police violence. Okay. Uh, thank you, Leo. Yeah, apart from the usual being fined for not wearing helmets, uh, riding a motorcycle, my encounter with the police is most interesting in two accounts um, of my participation in demonstrations in Jakarta. Uh, the first one being a reformation in September of 2019, and the second one being in October of 2020. I was there on two different uh, sets of occasions. The first one, I was a participant of the mass uh, demonstration movement. Uh, the second one being a journalist. Uh, granted, in both accounts, um, I am a university student. It was right after uh, the demonstration in Jakarta when we boarded uh, the, bus, the bus that was going to take us to Jakarta. Uh, for us, it was smooth sailing for the most part, uh, but the same cannot be said for um, a student of Universitas either Diponokoro or Brawijaya. Um, I can't remember. Uh, when we were in Jakarta, we met this student uh, that went ahead of his university's uh, group. He took the train while um, his friend took the bus um, from Semarang or uh, Malang. Uh, they were stopped in West Java before even reaching Jakarta by the police. Um, their bus pool had uh, ratted them out towards the police, even though it was the student's right Uh, right of movement and also their right to enact their freedom of speech. From that, we may be able to pinpoint the intent of the police institution. In Jakarta, uh, September 2019 was a straightforward affair for those that have participated in mass demonstrations. In front of the DPR, uh, the students uh, grew wary that these so-called representatives would not address their demands. It was way before the allocated time, you know, uh, on 5 or 6 p.m. on the limit of mass uh, demonstration. It was 4 p.m. when the first water cannon was fired, and then not long after the first tear gas. I was standing in the highway just in front of the bare building. There was this quite high wall separating the road between the highway and the bare building. No tear gas suffocates you. Your face gets irritated, your eyes really hurt. In these walls uh, were these railings. It turns out that the police had covered them with oil, so they were very slippery. The protesters could not climb the wall to safety. 
Not long after, the highway was also fired with tear gas. I remember trying to stop a couple of vehicles, motorcycles, buses, cars, trying to get some help for the protesters because they were suffocating. Um, some project drivers and other civilians used their motorcycles to taxi people away from the highway to safety and then coming back again to taxi more people. An elderly wet man uh, was one of the most um, interesting experience, but was also affected by tear gas. Later that night, uh, when uh, me and my friend was walking back towards the designated rendezvous point, uh, we were unarmed, of course. We were just trying to get to safety. Uh, we were pointed at but by what I thought was some sort of weapon. I guess either it was tear gas or um, other weapon. On October of 2020, um, I also went to Jakarta again. Uh, it was the Mositi Percaya movement as a student journalist, you know, complete with like press identification and all. Um, the first tear gas was fired even earlier. I think it was like 1 or 2 p.m. All in all, it was you know the same. They fired tear gas blindly. Elders and some merchants were also impacted. Uh, you know, we ran, of course. Um, I was almost hit by a tear gas canister, can't believe it. It fell just right in front of me as I was running. Um, in the morning, be way before the demonstration had took place, you know, as press, we tried to walk towards the demonstration um, even earlier, uh, but we were halted, you know. Uh, the police, we were halted by the police. They said it was because of the SBB. Uh, we were walking in groups. But these police were also in groups, so it was kind of contradictive in a sense. Um, it was then um, we also learned that at, later that night, student press, even mainstream press, was arrested by the police. Uh, and this is a clear and direct violation of Indonesia's press regulation that protects uh, the press. So this direct experience is what constitutes my uh, you know, critical understanding of the police institution. Mm. I see. Thank you, Alfredo, for sharing your experience. It is a bizarre occurrences, of course. Um, maybe to add more to these stories, uh, perhaps you have uh, some similar experience to share also, uh, Rehan? Uh, uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I, I sure, go ahead. Similar experience uh, for Aldo here. Uh, I was uh, around, uh, I was in uh, the Omnibus the demonstration in Jogjakarta in October in 20, uh, early the, um, last month. Uh, I was a part of, uh, of the press. I was a photographer for independent publication that you know, uh, I should mention. Uh, so around, I think around uh, 2 or 3 p.m., uh, the police started to uh, start to shoot the, uh, putting the gas, uh, tear gas canisters. Uh, and I uh, actually had the privilege of getting some in my eyes and, you know, it, it hurt a lot. So uh, anyway, uh, my friends and, and I, we, we regrouped, tried to help from this thing, their gas for about an hour or so. And we catch breath, and then uh, the riots start to happen uh, around the DPRD uh, building. I quick, uh, I, I quickly grabbed my camera and you know, took some photos because, like, you know, that's what I was supposed to do. Uh, an officer actually came up to me, 
uh, and said to me like, hey, you cannot take you know, any of these pictures. I say, uh, I, I say, why not? You know, because you, you just can't. Right? So I show him, uh, show him my uh, president, which I'm down, uh, you know, I said I'm, I was a part of, of, uh, of, a, of the press, and you know, I need to take these pictures. Uh, but he said, no, no, you, you can't. So, uh, so we went back and forth. You know, we argued uh, a lot, and then uh, one of his friends uh, came uh, came up to me. So, like, there were two police officers that I argued with uh, until uh, I think uh, when I think one of them uh, got frustrated and slapped the uh, the camera, my camera, out of out of my hand, and you know, making me drop it uh, to the ground. Uh, Thankfully, it was not broken, but yeah, it's still a shock to me that uh, in, in a democracy, a democratic country, that the police are allowed to be uh, to do that. Essentially, trying to silence uh, the press. Yeah, that's uh, that's my experience uh, with the police officer. You know that happened recently. Oh, thank you for sharing your story, also, Rehan. Um, now let's move on to a bit more substantive discussion in this issue, police violence in Indonesia. Um, it is important, I think, for us to take a note that such an abusive practices have been going on for a long time now. And there are many underlying factors that have been influenced by the government policies. Yeah, um, if I may, Lee, I have something to add on that point. Sure. Sure, sure. Um, according to Moradi, a researcher and head of Universitas Pajajaran Center for Politics and Security Studies, one of the main discussion points of security sector policy uh, can be derived from the separation of the Indonesian army and the Indonesian police in uh, following the reform, reform era in 1998. Um, following the separation, the Indonesian police is directly subordinate to the president, whilst the Indonesian army was part of the defense ministry. You know, uh, but similar treatment to move the Indonesian police institution in other countries uh, as being part of a ministry or part of several ministries um, was deemed incompatible with the Indonesian context. Uh, furthermore, Muradi posits that the discourse of security sector reform in Indonesia has stopped in 2010 because it was deemed to have sufficiently fulfilled uh, five reasons. Uh, first, a healthy civilian and military relation. Second, civil control and police and military adherence towards governmental policy. Third, prohibition of police and military personnel from politics. Uh, fourth, new culture of police and military. And fifth, a transparent and open structure of police and military, which allows public oversee. But the late uh, Cornelis Lai, um, a lecturer at Universitas Gajah Madas, uh, stated on the current structure of police institution, it still has the legacy of authoritarianism of the new order. And that the overseeing system, just uh, such as form of Kompolnas and Komnas Ham, has been too normative and has not been critical of the structure. Most blatantly, the police and military are still involved in political practice, and also they're still economically in integrated. Whilst being the institution that holds the state's legitimate uh, monopoly on violence, the security sector reform post the 1998 uh, reform era, it's not that economic inequality, democratic participation, and contestation um, can and should be strengthened. 
but these set activities cannot be done if the police are not acting within a stated set boundaries. Oh, thank you, Alfredo. I cannot agree with you more uh, and the arguments made by the respective experts. It is an interesting point that uh, you mentioned in your last explanation, Alfredo, about the police practices that extends beyond their jurisdiction. There is a bizarre occurrence, of course, to find in a nation that upholds democracy highly. And, you know, such abuse of power is just intolerable in the sense. Alfredo, do you have any more explanation regarding this issue? Um, yeah, Leo. Um, according to an annual report by the Commission for Disappeared and Victims of Violence, or CONTRAS, from the period of July 2019 to June 2020, there are 921 instances of police violence which result in 1,627 injuries and 304 deaths. This is far from just a simple act of misconduct. These are manifestation of a culture of violence and the power relations. This results in impunity. From that report, Contrast inquired the Indonesian police. Their data shows that from the period of August 2019 to February of 2020, um, there are 38 cases of police misconduct 23 of these are proposed only as disciplinary violations, plus 15 as cases of code of ethics violations. Not a single one of them um, reported police, police violence went to criminal court. One of the example is Henry Bakari, allegedly was part of a drug ring in Batam. The police came and arrested him without the necessary papers and procedures of violating the criminal law procedure code. The police was also indicated to be guilty of torture. In this case, Henry was arrested on a Friday. The suspect, uh, the rule stated that the suspect being withheld for a maximum of 24 hours if there are no evidence to be found. On Saturday, the family was called to the police station on like 12 p.m. But then on the police station, the family was um, directed to a hospital. Turns out Henry had died since 10 a.m. There are a lot of procedural and even criminal court violations. But up until this moment, there seems to be no clear indication of this case being brought up to court, even though there are clear violations of human rights, of criminal procedure law code, of, of criminal law code, even of police's own conducts of human rights. Yeah, it's really interesting from what we have discussed so far regarding the police uh, violence in world democracy. I think, however, it is also important for us to understand the basic principles about how policing should be conducted in a democratic manner, adding to the previous experience and stories uh, you guys have shared so far. So according to Bailey and Goldenstein, uh, theoretically, police should uphold the following objectives. Uh, it is to serve the public through crime prevention and sustaining order, to depend directly on public approval, for the organization's existence to interfere in the lives of citizens only to the extent necessary to uphold objectives and also with respect to the limitations outlined by the law, to use force only within limits permitted by law and to the lowest degree considered necessary to restore order, to mirror the characteristics of the community in which their jurisdiction resides and to be transparent and held accountable to the public they serve. That's really interesting from what the academics have to say regarding such condition. Yet, it is so contradictory with what we face in reality. 
Yes, unfortunately, that has became the case of what we face in Indonesia. In theory, in theory if I may add, um, there are certain patterns of policing characteristics in developing nations, which are distinct in their own. According to Nala and Mamayek, it appears that whether ruled by a colonial power or a detector, um, policing within the developing nations of the Asian Pacific region has been focused largely on defense, defense and maintenance of the established rule rather than on civil service oriented policing. Um, these are the elements which I consider to be problematic for the implementation of democratic policing to ensure the well-beingness for uh, the practice itself in Indonesia. Since we are discussing about democratic policing, uh, I might as well talk about the, civil, the concept of civil supremacy, a concept which I found deeply related to democratic policing. Um, Kemp and Hotlin stated that civil supremacy is a primarily a moral principle which upholds the following rule. First, it is the ends of government policy are to be set by the civilians. The military, therefore, is limited to decisions about means. And second, it is for the civilian leadership to decide whether the line between ends and means, um, the civilian and the military, is to be drawn. This, it can be seen that in an ideal world, civil supremacy becomes the fundamental of the security forces to be conducted, since by then, democratic policing will be the only viable method to ensure the practice of democracy. Perhaps what we have uh, is still far from the ideal world that uh, everyone is dreaming about, but hopefully this process grants us possibility to achieve the police reform that we envisioned. That leads us to the last and perhaps the most important question from this topic of police reform. What is the ultimate goal and vision of police institution to be improved in the future? Um, Rayhan, perhaps you have uh, some thoughts uh, that you would like to give in this matter? Uh, yes, I do, Leo. Uh, Leo. So, uh, in my opinion, uh, the authorities in Indonesia must immediately launch a thorough and impartial investigation into police violence because they are tantamount excessive force, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, the examples that me and Aldo uh, share with you. Uh, and they also exclude the hitting and, you know, kicking uh, suspects who were already subdued. Uh, such illegal methods in policy, including uh, when prote uh, protests turn heated in a source that is a source of deep concern. Uh, I think it is crucial that authorities ensure an independent investigation into reports of officers using unnecessary or excessive force against protesters or torturing protesters uh, after they get arrested. Uh, reform within the police body is crucial if uh, their members are to respect human rights in handling future demonstrations. Uh, there are no justification uh, for excessive force, and under no circumstances may be dedicated to torture or other ill treatment. Uh, I guess in some ways, although Indonesia is a democratic country, Indonesian uh, police itself can be viewed as a non-democratic uh, police. Uh, there is no simple way, or simple or widely agreed upon definition of what a democratic police is, 
but it is easier to define a non-democratic police and non-democratic police behavior than the opposite. But few abstractly, all democratic police systems share the ideal that police powers are to be used according to the rule of law and not according to the whims of the ruler or the police agent. The state's power must be used in a restrained fashion and proportional to the problem. Furthermore, in a democratic society, police must not be a law unto themselves. In spite of strong pressure and temptations to the contrary, they are not to act in an explicit political fashion, nor to serve the partition interests of the party in power or the party that they would like to see in power. Their purpose must not be to enforce political conformity, holding their beliefs or behaving in unconventional yet legal ways uh, are not adequate grounds for interfering with citizens' liberty. When opponents of democracy operate within the law, uh, police have an obligation to protect their rights and as well as the rights of Oh, thank you, Rehan, for your opinions. I fully agree with you that the police institution in Indonesia is still problematic and left uh, the necessity to reform. I think that your last statement also concludes what we have talked this far in this session. The police should position themselves in a democratic society that is to not fully rely on their authority as a law enforcer, but to also guarantee the rights of the citizens participating in democracy. Okay, I think this will be the end of our podcast today. Thank you for the guests, Alfredo and Rehan, for the fruitful discussion. Thank you for everyone also for listening to our discussion. Um, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.